Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. I want to start off today, I want to ask a little question. Now this is, we're all family here, so like you can just shout this out. Like, I want us to talk a little bit about maybe some of the things that we're afraid of. Now I'll prime the pump here, I'll just say it, like I am terrified of spiders. Like, I hate, hate spiders. If there's a spider, if you're, maybe you've been in, in this situation, I see a spider in my bedroom at night. And I try to kill it and it gets away. That bedroom is unclean. And it's forever unclean until I can find that spider and know what it is. I'm not sleeping in it. I hate spiders. I'm scared of heights. Okay, imagine that this stage is like the roof of a building. This is about as far as I'm going to get to the edge of that building. I don't care if there's a railing. I am so scared. I get close and my heart starts pounding. And then people try to be funny. And they try to come up behind you. <laughs> and they, you know, tickle you. Like, they're going to push you over. I'm like, I'll cut a guy. I will. I'll do it. I'm not... <laughs> Like, I just, I don't do heights. I'm so scared of them. Like, there's things in our lives we're scared. Anybody got any fears or you know people got weird fears? Just shout it out. What do you got? Ferris wheels? Okay, yeah, I mean, that's the heights thing, but it's spinning heights. Okay, I can definitely get down with that. What else? Dirt? You're scared of dirt? Like, not just like it's gross, like you can get germs. I'm scared of it. Like, you go outside and if there's no grass, like, ah, like that. All right, what else? Clowns, dude, clowns. Anybody, who, raise your hand if you're scared of clowns. The fear of clowns makes me, makes me laugh so hard because I want to be the guy who runs up behind someone and goes, <laughs> you know, and, and scare him, you know, that's me. Okay, one more, anyway, just a really good weird one, Anything, weird ones. Hobbits? Puppets. Puppets, oh yeah. Guys, just so you know, Becky Nelson is terrified of puppets. She, she's going to hate me for saying this because I know everyone's going to now do this. She's not just scared of puppets, she's scared of anything that is not a human being speaking. So like, if, if you walk up to Becky after service and you go, Hi, Becky. She's going to be like, no, stop. So just, hi, Becky. That's all you got to do today. <laughs> just if you see her, oh, she's going to hate me for that. <laughs> we all have fears. There's these things in our lives that maybe some of them are rational, some of them are dumb, and some of them are small. Uh, but there's things in our lives that we are scared of. Spiders, clowns, birds. Trinity, my daughter, was terrified of birds when she was little. We'd go out and there'd be a bunch of birds, and she'd, she'd hide behind us because she's just scared of them. There's things in our lives that are maybe a little bit more rational to be afraid of. Uh, I think one of those big ones is the future, right? Because the future comes with it, all of these things that you don't know. I don't, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where you're going to be. You don't know if it's going to be good or if it's going to be bad. The future is a, a little bit of a scary thing. And, and honestly, for me, like the future, when it comes to Christmas especially, like one of the things that has always freaked me out, as a kid and even into adulthood, is the ghost of Christmas future. Bring this picture up, right? Anybody see a Christmas carol? And you see the ghost of Christmas future come up, and you're probably like, oh, this is fun. What a nice little cherished Christmas kids and family film. And then that thing comes up, and it's like people start peeing their pants. It's like, how did this happen? Ever since I was a kid, I've been terrified of the ghost of Christmas future. And when it comes to Christmas, I mean, there's lots of things to be scared of. I mean, I'm, I'm afraid of you know, the wrong person pulling my name in the gift exchange. <laughs> uh, there's some people I'm scared of pulling their name in the gift exchange because they're impossible to buy for. But by far, the scariest thing about Christmas to me is the ghost of Christmas future. The future is scary. The past is gone, right? It happened. It can't hurt you anymore. The present is right here. So even, even though it, there might be things that are, that are kind of scary, like at least there's some sort of control over where you can lead things in the present. But the future, I mean, that is just completely out of your hands. Anything has happened. Anything is possible. Anything can happen to you. And you know it's coming no matter what. 
It's like a train. You know it's headed your way. But the future, man, am I going to have enough? Am I going to have enough money? Is my car going to make it? Is it going to break down again? What school am I going to go to? What college should I pick? And what happens if I pick the wrong one? Should I switch over to this job? I've got security here, but I've got opportunity here. What's the right thing to do? And the future can be a, a pretty scary place, you know. What's going to happen to my marriage? Will my kids grow up to be sociopaths? <laughs> okay. And those who giggled are like, oh, Chris, you know, I've been thinking that. <laughs> So the future is a scary thing. There's a story as it relates to Christmas. It's a very familiar Christmas story. We're going to look at this. Because when, when we're talking about a fear of the future, or what could happen in the future, like knowing this, that God is with us in our fears is super important. And there's a great story, a Christmas story that really illustrates this. In Luke chapter 1, this story starts off this way. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So God sends Gabriel the angel to appear, appear to Mary in Nazareth. Just, just some background, just so you know. Like Nazareth at the time, uh, it, was just, it was in this region of, of Israel called Galilee, which was really just this backwater. I mean, it was just like, it was like Bucktooth, Arkansas. Okay, that's what Nazareth was. And so Mary is a resident of Bucktooth, Arkansas, and all of the people in metropolitan parts of Israel and Judea, I mean, they looked at a place like Nazareth, and they're like, ugh, gross, those people. They eat, you know, boiled peanuts or whatever. I don't know what, something like that. And, and the thing is, is that, like, there was literally a saying that nothing good can come out of Nazareth. That was a saying that, or in Galilee. Nothing good can come out of Galilee. That was a saying that existed at the time because that region was just so, like, it, you know, hillbillies. That's, that's where it was. And that was Mary. Mary was, she was an ancient hillbilly. And so God sent Gabriel to appear to her. And Gabriel appeared to her and he said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now again, Mary is a hillbilly, right? Bucktooth, Arkansas, that's where she's at. And this angel appears and says, you are a favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Because it's likely no one had ever said, you are just a favored and blessed woman, right? No one ever said that to Mary because, again, Bucktooth, Arkansas, hillbilly. Okay, continues. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God. And then he says this, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he'll be called the son of the most high. Now, this is just the transition here. First, an angel appearing to you. Like for me, it's a little bit like the ghost of Christmas future, right? And I just see this finger coming out of a robe and pointing at me. And it's like, that's horrifying to begin with. Okay. And so Mary was obviously afraid because the angel had to tell her, don't be afraid. Right. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, okay, I'm just joking. Don't be scared. I, you know, anybody ever? Yeah. I've made lots of people cry trying to scare them. We got into pranks before. I had friends when I worked at, a, at a, my last church office, and we would prank each other, and we would scare each other. And this dude, it was Lewis, actually, Lewis. So he, <laughs> Lewis, the pastor of Nexus, who church we launched. No joke, Lewis would go into my office, and he would hide under my desk for like 15 or 20 minutes, just waiting for me to come back. And I would come back, and he'd go, hi, you know. And I'd do the same thing to him, except I would hide behind the bathroom door and wait for him to come in because he's really vulnerable in the bathroom. So anyway, I don't know how I derailed onto that. It's a free lesson on how to scare people if you want to, if you want to scare some people. But here's the thing. Mary, she's like, she's, she's scared. She's freaking out. And angels appeared to her. And the angel says this, don't be afraid. God's found favor with you. God favors you. Okay, you are good with God. And then 
he does this thing where he starts to pivot and he starts talking about the future. And he says, you are going to give birth to a son. Scary, right? And we've all heard the Christmas story, but uh, grasp this. He goes way beyond like the next nine months to a year of Mary's life. And he goes way into the future talking about this son she's going to have named Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will not end. Future. I mean, it's like literal, like, Mary, I just want you to know that what God is starting with you is going to go on for eternity, 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 you know? But don't be afraid, Mary. The Lord is with you. God is favoring you. The angel appeared to Mary, terrifying enough, but when he drops this massive dose of the future, the big, scary, unknown future, Mary then does what any other sane person, what any of us would do, and she points out the obvious. And she says this, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin, okay? I can't have a son. I can't be pregnant. I've never, you know, I've never done that. And so I can't. I guess I could have just said it. I'm a parent, so that's just what. But she's like, how can this be, okay? This big future, this big scary thing, how can this possibly be? Okay, this is too big. It's too much for me. And now there's, there's two things out of this kind of like whole like story of the angel appearing to Mary, dropping this massive dose of the future on her. There's two like things that as I read this kind of stuck out to me and, and and I don't know, it just as I was thinking about what would God want me to know about my fears of the future? What would God want me to know about my anxieties, about the things that lay ahead of me that I maybe don't know? And then these things popped out. And the first, the first thing that kind of popped out as I was reading this was this, is that, that Mary was a, a, a terrible choice. If you were going to pick someone to be the mother of Jesus, Mary was really, she was, she's not top, okay? Again, she was from Nazareth. She's from Galilee. She's from Bucktooth, Arkansas. She was a hillbilly. She had no power. She had nobody knew who she was. She didn't have money. In fact, it's history tells us that Mary was probably part. Her family was probably part of this group that was so poor that they would literally go to Jerusalem every year to just beg for money and and to beg for financial help because she just had nothing. And here she is. I mean, and I mean, why was Mary disturbed and confused? Because of all people who knew that she was a bad choice, Mary was first in line to know she should not have been picked for this job. It's like the NFL draft. You know, when when the NFL draft comes around and it's time to pick players, who gets picked? You know, the Heisman winner trophy, the best players in college are the first to get picked. It's the guys who are middling, unknown, don't have a huge reservoir of talent. The farther down the draft you go, they get picked maybe later, if at all. But it's always the best of the best to get picked. And Mary was not the best of the best in anyone's estimation, even in her own. But that's not what happened to her. In fact, God sent an angel to pick Mary. But she wasn't someone you picked to be first on your team. She wasn't that person who you would identify and say, I have to have you with me on the team. And so, like, think about the best illustration I can think of. And really, for me, this is just the best illustration of life in general. Because it's one of the best people in life in general. And I just need to talk to you about Tom Brady for a second, okay? So... <laughs> you hate him because you ain't him, okay? <laughs> when you're a Patriots fan, you learn to say that. <laughs> you hate us because you ain't us. 
That didn't sound right. I need to enunciate my T's. Ain't us. So anyway, in case you're not a sports fan, okay, in case you're not a football fan, Tom Brady is probably going to go down in history as one of the greatest quarterbacks who has ever played the game. But when he was drafted in 1999, the way the draft works is there's rounds. There's, you know, 16 teams in the NFL, or 32 teams in the NFL, and they get to pick people. And then when that round's done, they pick more. And like round, round, round. And, and then after the rounds are done, you're done. Nobody gets picked. Tom Brady was picked to be in the NFL with the 199th pick. Tom Brady was picked. One of the greatest quarterbacks who will ever live was picked in the second to last round of the draft. Most football teams have three quarterbacks at most because they don't want to waste their roster space. They want to fill their space up with good players and they don't want to just have people who are going to sit on the bench. Well, Tom Brady was drafted by the Patriots. He was the fourth quarterback on the team. And what that means is this. When you're fourth in the depth chart, it means you will never, ever, 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 ever get any play time because you are fourth on the depth chart. Because when they look at all the people on their team and then they look at all the quarterbacks they have, they go, you are the worst of what we have on the team. In fact, Tom Brady's first season, including preseason, the first year he was drafted, he only had six passing yards in that whole first year. Tom Brady was married. I mean, it was, it was the same. People looked at him and they're like, he's got no talent. He's too slow. He's got no muscle mass. He's white and pasty. Maybe that's why I like Tom Brady because I'm very much like that. But there was, there was one quarterback coach somewhere who saw him playing and said, there's something in this guy. I see something in him. There's, there's, there's some quality. There's something, there's something more in him that can be developed. And, and they drafted him. And Tom Brady went from the 199th draft pick to being, again, five Super Bowl rings, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the history of the NFL. And can I tell you something? When God looks at you, he doesn't see your history. He doesn't see your weakness. He doesn't see where you might sit at the bottom of a depth chart. He doesn't see how little you can do or how, how little money you have or how little you feel capable of making it in life. When God looks at you, he sees someone who can do great things. And when God looked at Mary, that's exactly what he saw too. A person who everyone else in the world would have looked at and said, eh, I'll pass. God saw great things. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter the life you've lived. It doesn't matter what you've been through. And it doesn't matter what you see when you look into your future. Because I'm sure when Mary looked at her future, she probably saw kids. But she prob probably saw those kids in a tiny little farm, in a tiny little house, with very little money, with very little future. And she probably saw that as her total impact on the world. But you need to know this, that just like Mary, God favors you. And when God dreams of your future, he sees great things. He holds an amazing future for you in his hands because he knows what you are capable of, even if you don't know it yourself. So if your fears of the future stem from the fact that when you look at your past and your present, you don't see how any great future could possibly happen. You need to understand this, that God has something more for you because the future is not about your ability and the future is not about probability, but it's about trust and obedience. Okay, let me say that again. The future is not about ability. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what you have. 
The future is not about probability. It's not about what house you were born in. It's not about the opportunities that you were given as a child. It's not about the school that you went to. The future is about trust and obedience. And God wants you to know this, that when you say yes to him, when you open your hands to God and you say, Lord, you see who I am. You see what I'm capable of. You see my past, my present, my history, what I have. But when you open that all up to God, all of a sudden your future opens up and it's bright because it's not about your ability. It's not about how probable it is that you could do something great in your life. The statistics of probability about the amazing things that you could do based on where you are or where you come from may be very small, but God doesn't see those things. What God sees in you is your capacity to trust him and to obey him. And when we trust God, when we trust God, we say yes to the things he asks of us. And when we say yes to the things he asks of us, the vista of your future begins to open up And now your future is no longer you-sized. Your future is God-sized. Your future is no longer where do I go to school? What's the job I'm going to have? When am I going to have kids someday? And then maybe eventually I'm going to have grandkids. Your future becomes an angel whispering in your ear about eternity, 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 eternity. Because God has huge plans for you if you will trust him and you will say yes to him. This is what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, one of my all-time favorite verses. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, that's God's dream for you, is that you know that his plans for your future are big and vast and incredible. And the key to unlocking that future of hope and of joy, and of good, is the key of trusting God and obeying God. And when you turn that key, it opens up everything that you could have ever hoped and dreamed for your future. I tell you, the best quality about Mary, if you think about it, wasn't how she was raised, wasn't how much money she had. I mean, she was young, too. I mean, she was babies having babies type young, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, like she just didn't have a lot going for her. But when God looked at her, you know the best thing that she had going for her in God's eyes was that Mary would say, okay, let's do this thing. I'm in. Trust and obedience, because the future is not about your ability. It's not about the probability that you will do great things, but it's about, the, it's about your willingness to say yes to God. So the first thing when I read this is, that, is this reality that Mary was a terrible pick, but God saw beyond that. You may feel like a terrible pick in life. God sees beyond that to a greater future. The second thing when I, when I read this passage, and it's, it's words that kind of Mary said, okay, how can this happen? Right? How is this even possible? Now, I know maybe this is like a cynical view of reading the Bible, but that's okay. I mean, people, come, people need to come at the Bible and like think about stuff. But like when I read this, like, let's be realistic. Mary's life was probably going to be okay. But then God dropped this huge major bomb right in the middle of it. Right? Mary's life was probably going to be okay. She was already engaged to, to Joseph. They were already going to get married. She was going to live this good, normal life out in Nazareth, out in the middle of nowhere, and it was going to be fine. But then God came along. And I think that sometimes when, when we get into scary situations, 
When we get into situations where the future is laying ahead of us and everything feels unknown and and the future is uncertain, when we get into these things, sometimes, if we're being honest, it feels like God put us there. I think maybe a better way to say it's like God did this to us. Anybody, I mean, listen, let's be honest. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, God, why did you do this? Why did you put me here? Because I shouldn't be in this situation. I shouldn't have to deal with this fear or uncertainty about where my life is going to go right now. I mean, for why in the world did my car break down right now when I have nothing? It's such a small thing, right? But like, can't God keep my car running? Seriously, God, why did you do this to me? Why have you put me in this situation where it feels like everything is falling apart, where it feels like I can't hold things together, where it feels like the uncertainty about my future is massive and terrifying? Because it's like, I mean, for being honest, like God did this to me. And when I read Mary's story, it's like her life was fine, but then God kind of did that to her. He put her in that situation. If he hadn't come along, Mary would have been fine. God, why did you do this to me? Why did I lose my job? Why did I lose my marriage and my family? Why did, why did she break up with me? I thought she was the one. Why did that school not accept my application, God? Why didn't I get that job? Why, did, why do I have no money? Why are you doing this to me, God? And I think that In those moments where we face fear, when we face the fear of the future in those scary situations, that God would want us to remember and understand something that Mary intuitively grasped. And that's this, is that sometimes your scary situation is the doorway that God opens to your best future. I'll say it again. Sometimes your scary situation is the doorway that God is opening to your best future future. Like for me, you know, just, I don't, I don't know that God would put a spider in my house, you know, (laughs) for any big purpose, but sometimes in your life, you need to run towards the spiders. Sometimes in your life, you need to run towards the clowns. You need to run to the edge of the building. Why? Because there are times where God puts those scary situations where he allows our future to be scary because he knows this, that that is a doorway into the best future that we could ever possibly live. Now, I believe this. This is something I believe about Mary because this is something I know about God. I know that God does not force himself on people. Okay, I know that God does not make us do things that we don't want to do. God is not a puppet master. God is a gentleman. God allows us to choose a relationship with him or to not choose a relationship with him because he loves us and that's what love does. And because I know that about God, I know this. Mary could have said no. Mary could have said, God, I don't think I'm in for this. This is too much. I'm too young. I'm not even married yet. I'm just engaged She could have said, God, the timing just isn't right for me. I don't totally have my life together. Things aren't rolling the way that I need them to roll. Mary could have said all of those things. She could have said no. But Mary didn't say no. Mary said something totally different. Take a look at this. Let's see what Mary said in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. It says that Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and may everything that you have said about me come true. Mary just said yes. She said, I am your servant, God. And whatever it is, whatever you want for my future, whatever your dream for my life, 
whatever your hopes and ambitions for me as your child, yes, I'm in. I am your servant and I'm ready to go where you want me to go. Because Mary, and we can see it's played out. Mary understood that sometimes the scariest thing, the scary future for her is the doorway to the best life that God could have for you. And we know the end of the story, right? We know that Mary gave birth to Jesus and that Jesus grew into a man who literally transformed the face of the world. You don't even have to believe in Jesus, anything that he taught, to know that he is a person who transformed history. And how do I know that? Because 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. Because Mary said yes. And here's what I want you to know, and this is what God wants you to know, is that we can step out of our fear because we know that God is with us. That God favors us. Can I tell you, God is with you. God wants you to know that when he looks at you, he's saying this, he's saying, don't be afraid because you are blessed and you are highly favored of God. And I don't care where you come from. I don't care how much you have, whether it's money or ability or prestige. I'm not worried about the big things that you're scared of in your future because God's just saying this. I want you to know that you are blessed and you are highly favored by me. So you don't have to be afraid. And it may be that in your life, the circumstances that you are facing, the circumstances that you are walking through right now, they may be the doorway that God is using to get you to the best life that you could ever possibly have imagined. And he's up in heaven. He's going, he's cheering you on and he's saying, do this. If you do this, just trust me. Just obey. Just trust and obey. And that key will unlock this perfect and incredible future. If you just walk through the scary door, trust and obey like Mary. Just have an attitude and a posture that says this, Lord, I am your servant. Whatever it is, I say yes. Father, I thank you so much. God, that you move in every area of our life, in every situation and in every circumstance. And I thank you, God, that even though it's a reality, God, that in the world we live in, we will face scary circumstances, that we will face uncertainty, that we will face the unknown, but that we never have to say that I am afraid because you are with us. You are God with us. You are God for us. And you are saying, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I favor you. I love you. You can trust me. Say yes to me and I will take you to a future of joy and of hope. It's not a future of disaster, but it's a future filled with life and a future filled with love. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Jesus, that fear bows at your feet. We love you. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.